right. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness. We thank him for his mercy. We thank him for his righteousness. We thank him because he keeps doing good things. We thank God um, for all that he does. We realize that he doesn't have to do any of those things. So that really is uh, reason enough for us to praise and for us to worship the Lord, our God. We're thankful that he takes time with us. We're thankful that he that he deals with us, that he puts up with us because we, we got a whole lot of stuff going on at times. And uh, most of that stuff that we have going on at times is, 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 is I mean, it, let's just say it is totally anti-God, but, but the Lord keeps giving us chances and giving us opportunity, working on our hearts, working on our minds, getting us where we need to be so that we can accurately represent his kingdom and his will. We love Jesus. We love Jesus and we're going to love Jesus with everything that we've got. We're back again here with another uh, lesson in our Bible Matters uh, series. Um, today, we're going to talk about some important things, um, um, very important topics that will help us in our walk and uh, help us uh, understand what we're up against in this walk. Amen. We're going to talk a little bit about um, knowing uh, our enemy and understanding uh, accountability and things like that. So we've got these topics of accountability, and then we also have some topics um, concerning understanding the uh, the nature of the enemy, how the the enemy moves, and uh, and it's a lot of good information. Make sure that you pay attention to it. Take your time to understand. We're going to give you uh, a lot of scriptures to go over um, to help aid you in your uh, study on your own um, study that should be taken uh, on prayerfully and you being led by the Holy Ghost. Turn to Second Chronicles chapter 12. I want you to look at verses one and two, and then you're going to look at verses five through eight. This is also in Second Chronicles chapter 12. So Second Chronicles chapter 12, we'll start with verses one and two, and then we move into verses five through eight. And it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. And it came to pass that in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. Amen. Then came Shemaiah, the prophet, to Rehoboam and to the princes of Judah that were gathered together in, gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shishak. And said unto them, thus saith the Lord, ye have forsaken me, and therefore have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, the Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that, they humbled themselves. The word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, they have humbled themselves. Therefore, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. And my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants, that they may know 
my service and the service of the kingdoms of the countries. <clears throat> May the Lord add a blessing to those that read and hear uh, and do his word. I always say this. I will say it again. The blessing is in the obedience. Okay. You want to truly be blessed of God. You got to do what that word says. There just really isn't uh, another opportunity or another option. Rather, you got to do God's word. Just looking at it, sitting there, just simply reading it. And that's all that you do. That, that won't do you any good. You're not going to be blessed that way. Okay, it's not going to help you. The word of God is designed to help you. It's designed for you to use it. And we must stay in the word. Why? Because the word of God has a variety of uses. It is applicable in all situations. And there are scriptures for every situation. So it is an advantage to us to be aware of the word of God so that we might employ or use the word of God in the correct situation. Amen. To make that plain, there are scriptures that we use for when we need a healing. There are scriptures we use when we need deliverance. There are scriptures that we use when we need peace of mind. There are scriptures that we use when we're celebrating and in the, in, in the maw of joy and, and, and um, all of these different things. Doesn't matter. All of the different stages of life are represented in the scripture and there are scriptures for every single stage. These scriptures are not there just for you to uh, look at. They're not just garnished. They're for you to consume. They're for you to use. So make sure that you're using the word of God. In this particular text here, um, we have a very uh, interesting story that really talks about uh, accountability. We really see um, that, um, especially in verse number two, um, that says, and it has came to pass that in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. And that's very interesting. And that we need to understand that because if it had not been for them transgressing, now the Bible teaches us in the epistle of John that sin is the transgression of the law. So transgression is when we break the laws of God, when we color outside the lines, when we decide we're going to do something different instead of what God told us to do, that is transgression, okay? And transgression is sin, okay? Now, there is no version of transgression that is not considered sin. When you do not do what God tells you to do. This can be done either in by directly doing the opposite of what he told you to do, or it can be done, transgression can be undertaken by simply neglecting or refusing to do anything at all, okay? You can decide that I'm not going to move, okay? So you're not actually doing the opposite you just not doing nothing. Well, either one of those, whether you do the opposite or you do nothing at all for whatever reason, maybe you just neglect to do it or you just for, you know, constantly forget to do it or you just refuse to do it. All of those scenarios, regardless, result in transgression and transgression, okay, is the breaking of the law. Amen. Now, when you break the law, you are conferred a title upon you. That title is criminal, okay? So you must understand when 
you transgress against the law of God, the will of God, the statutes of God, the way of God, uh, the holiness of God, when you transgress against that, you, com you commit criminal acts against God, okay? And the Bible says that Rehoboam, now Rehoboam is the successor, so he is the son of Solomon, all right? Now Solomon is already messed up. And, and the judgment has been pronounced that the kingdom was going to be torn from him. But God said to Solomon, but I'm not going to do it in your day. Okay. So the kingdom of Israel remained unified. The 12 tribes remained unified. Okay. But in the lifetime of his children, okay, or the descendants, those after Solomon, starting with Rehoboam, there would be a division within the kingdom. 10 tribes would comprise the kingdom of Israel and two tribes would comprise the kingdom of Judah. Amen. That's what would happen. The, the, the kingdom would ultimately split up. And so Rehoboam is in, um, uh, uh, when he comes onto the scene, we see the start of that begin to happen. Okay. The Bible said in verse one, and it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom so that and strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord. So once he got everywhere that what, what he got in, got in place. Okay. And, and then, and if you study the history, you, you discover that Rehoboam had tons of kids and 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 what he did was was that he set up his kids in the different provinces and territories to help solidify his rule and so when he's talking about he strengthened himself that's what the bible is actually referring to so once he got everybody all the strategic players so to speak that he thought that he needed in order to help maintain his government control okay and all of these things when he got in place the bible says that he forsook the law of the lord and that happens to a lot of us when God blesses us and allows us to get get to strengthen. We start getting we go to maybe we go to school or something or or whatever. And we we're, at first we're working and we don't have much at first. And, and we're working, working and, and hustling, so to speak, is what the world would call it. You know, meaning that we're 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 um, we're being busy about the we're working diligently. So sometimes that is not used in a negative sense, but that but that means um, in today's um, society, many times when you say someone is hustling, doesn't mean that they're trying to get over on somebody. No, what it also means is that it's someone's putting the work in in order to position themselves um, for a better uh, uh, or a brighter future. And so sometimes what happens is, is people begin the hustle and bustle of life, okay? And they're putting the work in and they're putting the time in and all of these different things. And, and as they're going, they're solidifying and they're strengthening themselves. They're getting where they need to be or feel that they need to be. And, 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 and God blesses, allows them to be successful. Um, maybe they obtain a degree, maybe they obtain a certificate, maybe they obtain, obtain some sort of certification, or maybe they obtain, obtain some sort of favor, it doesn't matter what it is, but they strengthen themselves. We're just talking about our equivalent to what Rehoboam did. We go through our version of strengthening ourselves. And then like Rehoboam, we do the same thing. We forget God.
we start out working and 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 during this time we're going to church we we are being faithful we're faithful to bible study we're faithful to prayer we're faithful to the work and all of these things but then all of a sudden as soon as we start getting to a certain point certain place we stop going to church we start prioritizing the job and life and situation and everything and even our own pleasure over god okay and all of these different things we start to have all of these excuses and all of these reasons why we can't worship god while we can't this we start to become a little bit too dignified so to speak and and um and and we started becoming more reserved when at first we would praise the lord with all of our might just like david one by one scripture in fact tells us david praised the lord so hard that he that he that he, that he danced out of his clothes he, he prayed so hard now uh, my point is is that david was all in Amen. When it came to praising and worshiping God, he he chose. Now he's the king, but he chose to worship worship God with everything he had, even if that to the point where he had to look a little, maybe a little ridiculous to other people. But he did that. Why? Because his God is worthy. Our God is worthy. We serve the same God, and He's worthy. Nevertheless, sometimes life gets going. And unfortunately, we get going with life. And when that happens, we become strengthened. We get where we want to be. Maybe we get the house and we finally get it or our apartment or we get that car or we get that thing, whatever that is. And then we start walking away from God. Now, all of a sudden, we don't need God. We start taking a little bit more of life on our own shoulders. We want to handle a little bit more, whereas before we were trusting God and reaching out to God. Rehoboam established the kingdom, but when he did that, he forsook the law. And it wasn't just him, Israel with him. You got to be careful when you decide, amen, that you're going to go cold on God, that you're going to relax a little bit because you don't, because you never know who's watching you. You never know who's paying attention to you. See, when you were in your heyday, of worshiping God and you were serious about it and you were giving God the best of your service, unbeknownst to you that there's somebody that would that admired the way that you praised and and the 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 the, the sincerity in which you in which you worshiped God. Unbeknownst to you was somebody on the outskirts who was observing how you pray in the midst of hard times. Somebody was watching you and paying attention to the way you kept getting back up in the name of Jesus Christ when you got knocked down the worst and you probably felt like there wasn't no way of getting back. Somebody was watching you and they were learning from you. But when you started to change, when you started to go cold on God, when you started to get distracting, distracted, caught up in the winds and the rains, so to speak, and all of these things. And you became a little bit more lax and you started to, to take a little bit more liberty and all of these different things. And before you know, you started to walk away from God. Well, guess what? That same person that those same people that were watching you and admiring and learning from you when you were doing the right thing, they continue to watch you and learn from you when you started to descend into the wrong thing. And many times when you decide, okay, many times when you decide, see, people have to learn to see God for themselves. But prior to that, they usually first kind of see God through or manifest it through and in the life of somebody else. It take them a little while of good teaching 
and preaching and all of these things and, and mixing with faith before they get to the place where they can hear God for themselves. But before they get there, whether you like it or not, you are the example that they are following. And if you set a good example, they're going to follow that. Amen. But heaven help you if you're setting a bad example. Because they're going to follow that also. So you need to be aware of these things. And when you decide that you're going to walk away from God, not only do you transgress, just as Rehoboam did, and, but you also will cause the kingdom or those that are looking on watching you, learning from you, you can, without even knowledge, cause other people to transgress. Amen. Amen. And this is very important. You need to understand that. Okay. Then we have this situation where the prophet comes in, Shemaiah, or Shemaiahai, um, however you may pronounce that, um, the prophet comes to, to Rehoboam. Um, and to the princes, and he preaches, and he preaches, okay? He preaches to all of them, and he lets them know how God feels about what they've done. Thus saith the Lord, ye have forsaken me. And let me stop right there for just a moment. Let me stop right there for just a moment. Thus saith the Lord, Ye have forsaken me. Family, you can spin, I can spin things any way that I want to. I can tell myself whatever I want to. I can put any type of spiritual gloss on my wicked behavior. But I'm going to tell you something. My wicked behavior is still wickedness. Your wicked behavior is still wickedness. We sometimes try to make wrong behavior behavior palatable and we do this by telling ourselves the lies that we need to hear in order to pacify us <clears throat> and numb us to the reality of what it is that we're actually doing the prophet came to Rehoboam to share with him God's view and I wonder today or tonight or this afternoon, wherever you are and whenever you are listening to this, do you know how God feels about the way you're living and the way you are acting, the way you're carrying on? Now, I, I, I get, I, 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 I understand you might be okay with it. You've come up with all kinds of reasons. I know, because I did the same thing at time. Came up with all the reasons. All the reasons to, to, that, to pacify myself. And you're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing. But the question is, is not how do you see it? Because it's evidently that you see it wrong. You're looking at the wrong things because you're doing the wrong things just as I was doing the wrong things. We all start somewhere. We all have to come through this. And I'm reaching for somebody who's still in the midst of this. You telling yourself you're okay and it's all good. But I wonder if you know how God feels about it. 
Does it matter to you how God feels about it? Are you concerned about that? Thus saith the Lord, ye have forsaken me. See, sometimes you can think, we can think that we can have the best of both worlds, that we can carry on a little bit of the worldliness, um, things that are in the world, things that are not um, um, totally on God's side. We think we can do a little bit of that, and then we can do a little bit of church. And so many of us exist in this quagmire, so to speak, this, this middle gray blah area where we are trying to uh, maintain righteousness and unrighteousness at the same time. We're trying to, we're trying to um, develop or walk a line between holy and unholy, okay? Because the world tells us a lie that says that that true balance is having both light and dark. That ain't no balance. That ain't nothing but worldliness. That ain't nothing but world philosophy. Ain't no yin and yang a little bit of light in dark and a little bit of dark in light. Ain't none of that. God is all light. His ways are not our ways and, our, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. But the world teaches you that the properly adjusted person or the properly balanced person is the one that has a healthy dose of both of these. No, that's contrary, family. That's contrary to the word of God. God don't teach that. God don't teach that. But many of us have grown up with that understanding that you got to have a little bit of the good and a little bit of the bad. No, no, and more no. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. God's trying to work out of you, wants to work out of you, wants to work out of me, all that bad. The Bible says, <laughs> don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means don't, don't pattern yourself after the thinking of this world, the mentality of this world, but you got to be transformed by the word. The word of God pulls out of you what is wrong. There ain't no scripture that ever told you that in order for you to be balanced, you got to have a little bit of the evil with you and a little bit of the good. No. The evil that we have is a result of our fallen sinful nature. And that was not intended for us. God never intended for us to have that nature. But our nature became depraved and fallen through sin and disobedience. And God's salvation that he gives to us is not a doctrine of trying to balance the evil with the good. No, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are made new. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. God's not trying to balance you with the, the good that he's done to you with the evil that surrounds you, that human nature. No, 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 no. This is why when it's all said and done, you're going to get a new body. The soul gets re already made new. 
So your soul is remade. That's he already he already does that part here. But the day is coming where that fallen part of you, that mind and that human will and all that kind of man, that's gone. That's gonna be gone. And you know what? You're gonna get a new body. And it ain't gonna have them evil tendencies. It's not gonna influence and exercise power over your spirit, trying to interfere with it, trying to talk you into things that are contrary. You won't have that. There is no yin and yang. That is the world philosophy. God never intended for you and I to operate in any of that. With the word, he's pulling that out of us. This is what the writer Philippians means when he told us, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Does not mean work to be saved. You cannot do that. Salvation is by grace through faith. You're not going to be working to get saved. No, no. We put in the work because we've been saved. We're now able to put in that work. What kind of work? Works of faith works of faith we able to put in the work do what god wants us to do why because we have been saved but work out your own salvation with fear and trembling means th those things that god has saved you from well you're still in this body that still knows how to do the things that are wrong the things that god saved you from you still have knowledge you retain the knowledge of how to do those things you retain the knowledge of who you used to be how you used to act how you used to talk you still know how to do those things. So now you got to do what Romans tells us, make not provisions of for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now what you got to do is, is now you got to start work those things that God has saved you from, those things that God has saved you from. You've got to now start working and practicing the word so that you can stay away from all that other stuff. Amen. Amen. Now you got to start living it. You got to start walking in it. So the Lord says, thus saith the Lord, ye have forsaken me. Now I guarantee you, Rhea Bowman, everybody thought they was on fire on all cylinders. They thought they was doing good. <laughs> I'm sure they thought they were doing just fine. But the prophet had to come and let them know that God didn't see it that way. And somebody who's listening is you need to know, understand something. You need to know this. God's been trying to get your attention for a while because you've been acting up for a while. Doing what you got no business doing. And you've been trying to pacify yourself, telling yourself what you feel you need to hear in order to ease your conscience about what you're doing. But the reality is, is that when a person attempts to ease their conscience, what they're in fact doing is they are searing their conscience. In other words, they are numbing, they are, their conscience is becoming scarred, it is becoming, it is becoming lifeless, it's becoming deadened, if you will so that you cannot hear the voice of God. Conscious 
is a compound word. Con means with, science means knowledge. Taken together, conscience means with knowledge. And the point is, is that because God has given every man a conscience, he's given you the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. So when you do wrong, you do it with knowledge that it is wrong. Amen. We're just putting it there. But when your conscience becomes seared, as the scripture calls it, with a hot iron or with an iron, then you begin to lose the ability to hear right from wrong, the voice that God has put in you to clearly let you know that you are clearly going in the wrong direction. You can't hear it because you're spending your time, your time ignoring it. And the more you purposely try to ignore, the more you deaden the conscience, the more you sear it, especially when you pursue foolishness and unrighteousness with reckless abandon, meaning you just keep doing the wrong thing. When you keep hearing, when you, when that conscience is telling you God trying to get your attention, calling you back to the middle, calling you back to the sanctuary, calling you back to him. But you keep pushing it aside so that you can have one more day in whatever it is that you're doing. You're silencing the voice of the conscience, making it smaller and smaller and smaller to eventually you don't hear it. That's a seared conscience. Thus saith the Lord, ye have forsaken me. Therefore, have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. Look at this very interesting thing here. The prophet comes and breaks it down for Rehoboam and the kingdom, lets them know, hold on. The way God sees your behavior, he sees it as a betrayal. You have forsaken him. You have left him. That's the way that he sees that. You can call it whatever it is you want, Rehoboam, and all the princes. You can say whatever it is that you want to say. But the reality is, is, is that you have forsaken. And that word forsaken literally means abandon or to leave behind. God said to Rehoboam, you left me behind. And I'm reaching for somebody today, no matter what time it is. And I'm trying to tell you, you left God behind. I'm trying to tell somebody you are leaving God behind. You're pursuing all of these things and you're walking away from the path of holiness. You're deviating. And I need you to understand God is not going along with you for that ride. 
you thinking that you can do all of this and then come back and give God a little bit of service, but you need to understand you are leaving him behind. The lie is that you're taking him with you because you're doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. God don't accept that. God is not going to allow you to put him on the second, on the back burner. He's not going to play second fiddle. He's not going to be second stream. Either he's going to be the starting player or he ain't playing at all. That's just the way that it is. And, 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 and Rehoboam and Israel had to know, listen up. Whatever it is you think you got going on, now that you've strengthened yourself and you feel secure and all this kind of stuff, the end result is that you have left God behind. And I'm going to ask somebody very pointedly, how long are you going to leave God behind for the sake of your job? for the sake of your friends, for the sake of, of money, for the sake of anything that you can achieve, how long are you going to leave God behind? How long are you going to keep saying, Lord, wait here, I'm going to walk a little bit ahead? Family, friends, whoever you are, you better listen up and hear this one well. You do better following the Lord God Almighty with everything you got, even if you stumble along the way sometimes. You do better giving God everything you got. Your entire best effort. Even the effort that doesn't work out so well. The things that you don't get so well, but you just keep giving it all to God. Because no, if you don't, there will never be a situation where God follows you. Uh-uh. You better make sure you are following God because he is most certainly not going to follow you. Rehoboam and Israel pulled the head of God. That's what they did strengthening themselves and doing their own thing. And notice God didn't follow them into that foolishness. Today's weak and lethargic Christianity got people thinking that God is just somewhere waiting for you to return. <laughs> you better figure it out. God ain't waiting on you to return. Because the will of God, the kingdom of God rolls on, family. That moved the will. It moved on with or without you. That train not stopping. 
God not somewhere just following along like a puppy, hoping that you're going to one day just turn around and, and come back. To, no, he ain't. He ain't following you in the foolishness. You want foolishness? You can have all you want. God ain't going nowhere. So this ideology that has you and I thinking at times that God is just waiting for his chance, you better figure it out. Uh-uh. That is not the God of the Bible. That God cannot be toyed with. You don't yank him around on a chain. He ain't your puppy and he is not a genie. And he's not sitting up there somewhere waiting on you. No, no, no. He's handling business. He's using those that want to be used. Bible said he loved those that love him. But when it comes to the wicked, Bible says the Lord is angry with the wicked every day. Better read that in the, in, in, the, in the book of Psalms. He's angry with the wicked every day. But we have that lie that makes it, it makes us think that God somewhere, he just, he just waiting on us to do. No, he's not. No. When you get your head on and you figure it out, he right where you left him. You got to go back. Why do you have to go back? Because you going back requires repentance. You can't mess over God and not repent. That's why he not following you. Letting you get away with murder and all kind of ridiculousness. And I'm using murder as a, as a metaphor here. Just letting you get in the way with all that kind of stuff. And he just following along right there ready to kick in. No, 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 no. Repent over your sins. You got to change your mind about doing wrong. You got to be sorry about walking away from God and you got to repent. He'll take you back. He'll let you come back. You need to understand he is not going to follow you into foolishness. He is not going to aid you in unrighteousness. He's not going to authorize you for further wickedness. You got to get that right. You got to get your head screwed on straight. You got to start thinking again. It's his way or no way, family. You got to break up the fallow ground of your heart, that hardened heart, that crustiness heart. You got to, you got to break it up. Turn that soil over. Soften your heart towards God. Bible says harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. Don't, 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 uh, don't, don't have a hard heart towards God. Rehoboam in Israel had to get checked by God. That's what the prophet's doing, checking them. Yeah, you might have thought you strengthened yourself, but you have forsaken God. It means you abandoned him. You left him behind. And look at how God responded. He says, and therefore, have I also left you 
in the hand of Shishak. Accountability and responsibility. These are things that are, um, I think the world's allergic to. Um, and then we have people even in the so-called in the household of faith ship that are also allergic to it as well. Accountability. We try to live and ignore the fact that actions have consequences. Sin has consequences. We want to believe that we can do whatever and get away with whatever. But the reality is, is that we cannot. It is not possible for us to get away with whatever it is that we want. There is accountability. Accountability um, is when an individual, if we were to define it, um, and um, as, as best we could, accountability is when an individual or department um, experiences uh, consequences for their performance or actions, okay? Accountability is, is essential for an organization. It's essential for a society because without it, it is difficult. Without accountability, it's very difficult to get people um, to assume ownership of their, uh, their own actions and deeds um, because they quite frankly simply believe that there are no consequences to their actions. And you have a lot of people who operate under the belief that they can get off, um, as the phrase would call it, scot-free. They do whatever it is they want. Why? Because they believe that there is no penalty for it. Okay. They can do whatever it is. This is why the devil sells the lie. And people don't understand this to people trying to convince them that there is no such thing as heaven, excuse me, there is no such thing as hell. And there is no such thing, yeah, actually as heaven also. You got people who believe that as well. Why? Because when you think of heaven and hell, okay, what comes to mind is the thought of reward, okay? Now, when you think of the concept of a reward, then what that brings to the fray, um, if there is a reward, then what that for something, then what that means is, is, is that there is something that must be done or can be done in order to earn it. Okay, man. So when you start thinking about heaven and hell, heaven and hell are rewards. Amen. If you think about it, they are rewards. They are the positive and negative rewards. They are the heaven, obviously, is for those who who obey God and the hell is going to be for those who do not. Well, obeying God has its own rules and its own standards, okay? And what that implies is, is that you cannot just get to heaven on the strength of just being a good person unless you just think good is the only requirement. And it's a lot of people who believe that lie also, okay? Now, because there are these requirements, okay, then, and the word of God makes these requirements very plain, you got people who do not want to do that, because the Bible tells you not just what to do, but it tells you 
what not to do. And the Bible is very plain and very clear that men love darkness rather than light, okay? Heaven exists, but the criteria of heaven requires holiness. The world does not want holiness. Within holiness is righteousness and all these other things, doing the right thing. But again, men love darkness rather than light, okay? So because they love darkness, rather than light, it means that for the most part, the criteria in order to gain heaven is not something that the world, for the most part, is willing to do. They're not willing to do that. Why? Because they love darkness rather than light. And the criteria to make it to heaven requires the absence of darkness. In other words, you can't get dark. You can't have darkness going on or unrighteousness going on and still get heaven. No, there are rules. And but because men love darkness and they want darkness, that means that they would automatically forfeit heaven. Because their tendency is to do the wrong thing. Now, I'm not going to be able to, I want you to go with me here. I'm not going to be able to get to heaven. We, 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 from this, this, the mindset of the world is what we're talking about. So from the world standpoint, they're not going to be able to get to heaven according to the Bible. Why? Because they just ain't, they're just not getting ready to do all that. They're not going to do, they're not going to follow the word. They don't want to they don't want to do any of that. They don't want to do any of that. And they are not going to do any of that. So that means though, because heaven is based on that, that, that means that a, according to that standard, and it is the only standard, the Bible is the standard, they're not going to get to heaven because they won't do none of the stuff that the Bible requires you to do. The Bible then also lets it makes it plain that if you don't get heaven and you do all the other stuff that they love to do, the Bible is very plain that the stuff that the world loves to do, well, that's how you check off the criteria, the criteria to go to hell. So they can't they won't do what's necessary to gain heaven. But they don't want to go to hell. And unfortunately, because their actions only allow them entrance to hell, When you couple that with the desire to not go to hell, then what you end up getting from the world is a disregarding of the scripture in its entirety. In other words, there is no heaven. There is no hell. Because it's only when you do that when you throw heaven and hell away, when you throw God away. And newsflash, you can throw God all the way all you want. He ain't going nowhere. He's still real. Still heaven and it's still hell. And it's still, and they both got criteria. But for the world, They don't want to live like that in order to get he to, to, to get gain heaven because they feel it's too restrictive. 
but they absolutely don't want to go to hell. The thought of that is, is just, is just, is just too much. So I got to throw heaven and hell out, God and everything else. And I got to say, there is no heaven, there is no hell. Why? Because when I do that, I remove accountability and responsibility. If I say God does not exist and there's no heaven and there's no hell, then I am free to be free form. I make my own rules. I master my own destiny. There's no one to answer to. When I throw God out, I throw out accountability because now the highest power is me. The world has a problem with accountability. Accountability is that state of being accountable, liable or answerable. You gotta give an answer. It's the fact of being responsible for what you do and requires you and demands of you that you give a satisfactory reason for why you do what you do, for why you did whatever it was that you did. That's accountability. And in our scripture text in verse number eight, not verse number eight, but in verse number five, thus said the Lord, you have forsaken me. Therefore, have I also left you in the hands of Shishak. We're tiptoeing in and stepping into the realm of accountability. God holds people accountable. We may want to let people off and get away with all kinds of different stuff. This is represented in many of our, in, in, even in today's justice society, within society. We've got unjust laws. Not all of them are unjust, but we got a lot of them that are crooked. We've got crooked ju judges still and lawyers and all these different people and so on and so forth. And we got people getting away with stuff because we got laws that are unlawful. But the world might let you and I get away with stuff, but God will never allow such a phenomenon. That ain't gonna happen. No, it won't happen at all. He said, you've forsaken me. Therefore, I have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. This is the king of Egypt. Look, if you make it a habit of treating God wrong, you need to understand something. He is going to respond. God's not going to follow you into wrong. He's not going to authorize wrong and wicked. He's not going to do all that. He's not going to do any of that. And no, he won't follow you into your foolishness. He's not going to do any of that either. But he is most certainly not going to sit idly by and let you get away with it. No, you're not. He's not going to do that. 
You're not getting away with anything. I cannot get away with anything. He said, you, you, you abandoned me. And because you abandoned me, you didn't want me. You left me behind. He said, I left you in the hands of Shishak. In other words, consequences. And when we start talking about the consequences, we start bringing up the word accountable or accountability. Because where accountability exists, so too does consequence. Amen. When we get to verse six, the word of God says, whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves and they said, the Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah saying, they have humbled themselves. Therefore, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. And my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Now, let's unpack that, verse 6, and that was verse 7. Verse 6 says, whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, the Lord is righteous. Let's unpack that for just a moment. So in verse 5, what we have is... God responds to the behavior. Rehoboam and Israel thought they were going to get away with something. They strengthened themselves. And when they got to a certain point where they felt comfortable, they forgot God. They got strong enough to their liking, leaning on the arm of the flesh. They were more concerned about what they were able to accomplish. And when they got to that point, they were good. And what did they do? They left God behind. The problem was, was that that action had a consequence. Accountability started to step in. And, it, and the result of that was that they were left in the hand of Shishak. Now, what that essentially means is, is that God left them in the hands of the enemy, someone who didn't mean them any good, someone who was not going to have their best interests, someone who didn't care about doing right by them, someone who didn't care about making sure they were healthy and that they had what they needed, someone who cared not whether or not they, someone that wanted to exploit them, someone that wanted to take advantage of them, someone that had no good intent whatsoever towards them. They were in the hands of that guy, of those people. Because they abandoned God. And you got to understand. When you abandon God, you leave the hands of God. And when you step out of the hands of God, you're going to fall in the hand of somebody else. You better understand that. Because this is real. This is rubber meets the road. I am trying to be as straightforward as possible. I pray that God give me grace. And I pray that you hear what I'm telling you prayerfully. When we decide that to leave God behind, what we are doing is attempting to step out of the hand of God. And because God is not going to follow you and me, he going to let you step out. But heaven help you when you do. Heaven help me when I do. 
Because when I step out of his hand, you're going to fall into somebody else's hand. But when we get to verse six, okay, we see the aftermath of what happens when you respond the right way to the warning. The Bible says, whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, the Lord is righteous. What are you doing with the warning that God gives you? The word of God is forever settled and he is speaking out. If listen, if you are not living right, you know that you're not living right. If you're not doing right, you know that you're not doing right. Let, let me listen. You cannot carry on a lifestyle of fornication. You can't carry on a lifestyle of adultery. Okay. You can't do any of that. You can't carry on a lifestyle of, of thieving and, 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 and violence and all, whatever it is. Substance abuse, no matter what the substance is. Listen, mistreating people. Acting up in school and, 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 and disorderly conduct and all of these different things. It doesn't matter what, what, what it is. God is speaking out against it and has been. And if your conscience is still working and you are able to hear his voice, you can hear the warning. How long is it going to be before you respond? How long are you going to keep making the unnecessary necessary? God is not going to be okay with it. He's not getting ready to just give you heaven all the while you living like hell. It's just not going to happen. Some of you, listen, religion has lied to you. Got you thinking that once saved, always saved. That is a lie. Jesus said, be faithful unto death. The word of God teaches us that that crown, that race, is given to the one who endures to the end. You got to make it all the way. You got to go all the way. Not on your own strength. God takes you all the way. But he's only going to take those that want to go. He's not going to force you to the end. You Nobody's going to get drug into heaven in a headlock. He's not going to make you take heaven when you clearly want hell. No, he's going to let you have it. Ezekiel 18 says, the soul that sinned, it shall die. God is not playing games. 
You better come out of this Mickey Mouse religion and these people that are pacifying you and that are telling you, got you thinking that you can do, you just struggling like everybody else and it's all right, God gonna love you at the end and that you can just die, you know, if you die all off in the wrong and doing the wrong thing, no, your soul, no, 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 no. Let me tell you something, that's, that's Candyland. That's what people tell themselves to try to get through. When loved ones who were not living right at all pass away, they got to tell themselves something. But I'm going to tell you something. God is not playing with nobody. And you ain't getting heaven for free. You're going to get to heaven because you stayed with Jesus. You let him keep you. It's a partnership, people. He got the power to keep you. You got to have the desire to want to be kept. That's how it works. That's how it works. How long before we respond? Like Rhea Bones responded. And that we humble ourselves. Because that's what verse 6 says. He humbled himself. They humbled themselves. And look at what they said. The Lord is righteous. And that's a very powerful statement. Because when they said the Lord is righteous, they referred to the character and the will of God. They called the way of the, the, the they, they referred to the way of God. In essence, when they said the Lord is righteous, what they were essence were saying is, is that God and his way is right, and I'm wrong. That's, in essence, what they were doing. When you acknowledge God's righteousness, when you acknowledge God's holiness, you are acknowledging that God is right and that everything else is wrong. So in other words, to acknowledge God's is to say the Lord is righteous. You are essentially saying he was right all along. I was wrong. I had it twisted. I had it reversed. I had it out of order. Lord Jesus, you were right all along. And somebody, listen, you need to stop right here. Push pause on this if you need to. And it's time to repent for real. You need to acknowledge that the Lord is righteous. That means that his way is right. His way is holy. And that the way you've been doing it, the way you've been carrying on, it's not the right way. It never was. And you're not going to win in it because it never will be. You got to cry out, the Lord is righteous. That means you got to come to the end of trying to, to, to justify your behavior. The ends don't always justify the means. That's another lie from the world. You can come up with whatever reason you want. 
only the blood of Jesus Christ will erase what you've done. And you got to repent. And if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't need to be baptized in the name of the title. You don't need to father, son, and hold, you know, no, no, no. Read the Bible and you'll see no one ever was baptized that way. Do it just the way the Bible shows it. Don't overthink it. No one cares about your degree. No one cares about your interpretation. God does not care about that. He simply wants you to do what he said. Do it the way he said do it and let him fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because you need it. You need it. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you're not going to wonder if you got the Holy Ghost. The Bible is very plain in the book of Acts. When people got the Holy Ghost, they knew they got it because they spoke in other tongues. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak in other tongues. Amen. Amen. When you look at Luke, chapter 11, Jesus said this, because you always get that person, and the Holy Ghost, I, man, that's what they did in the Old Testament. That, that, that don't, you know, somebody told you that they, they, the whole speaking tongues, all that kind of stuff, and that they don't do, no, listen, Jesus broke it down, made it all plain. When you look at Luke and you look at chapter 11 and you look at verse nine, he said, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you and ye shall find, knock and it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And you understand, he's talking about the Holy Ghost. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish? Will he for a fish, which means instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Now, remember, Jesus is talking about your right to ask for the Holy. I, I never spoken to him. I never had to ask. This is what he's telling you. Verse 12, or if he shall ask an egg. Will he offer him a scorpion? He's talking about if a child asks someone who is a father, a father understands need. And if this child is asking for substance, sustenance, food and whatnot, 
What father is getting ready to give you something to hurt you? Talking about a true father. That's what Jesus is describing here. And he says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts. And he said, people in the world understand this principle. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost to them that ask him? Ask. Ask. He'll give it to you. But you got to want it. Having the Holy Ghost is not something that somebody can just tell you that you have. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. God didn't leave your salvation up to somebody else's interpretation. No, he gave you a way to know. And that is one of the many functions of the gift of tongues. Because it manifests when one receives the Holy Ghost. This is just what the word teaches. You can read this throughout the book of Acts. We ain't making none of this up. You want to know if you save? Your salvation needs to happen according to the Bible. That's how you know. When somebody asks me, Brother Walker, how do you know that you say, how do you know that you have the Holy Ghost? I don't tell them because I have goosebumps or I have a good feeling. I don't do know. What is that? I, 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 it make me feel like crying sometimes. Make me feel no, 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 and no. It's wrong stuff I can get involved in and make me feel like crying and make me feel good and all the other kind of stuff too, so to speak. So that can't be it. They say, how do you know? And it's a valid question because there are some days where you don't feel saved. You struggle with the flesh and you struggle with your mind. You struggle with all these different things and you don't feel it. How do you know? You know, because there are some things that you must understand. And there are signs that are in place. Salvation, number one, is not based on feeling because there'll be days where you don't feel it. That's the first thing that you need to understand. You cannot base your salvation on how you feel. This is why feeling is never made a criteria or a part of it. Mm -mm. So then, Brother Walker, how do you know? I know because I line up 
what I experienced and went through with what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you for the remission of your sins in the name of Jesus Christ. This is Acts chapter two. Start reading verse 36 and just read it on through. Somebody need to hear this. I take what the Bible says. Did I repent? I did. Does the Bible require you to repent? It does. And that repentance was from the heart. I had to be broken over sin and no longer cool with it. I have to say, the Lord is righteous. That's the equivalent of that. I had to be baptized. How did they do it? They were immersed in water. So when I got baptized, I didn't go get sprinkled. And I didn't go get do, do anything else. No, I did it the way that the Bible, I went, did, I, I followed it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, wait a minute. They didn't use Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Nope. They baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus. So when I got baptized, those were the words that were spoken over me, nothing else. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, how do I know that I got it? How did they know that they got it? They started speaking in tongues. So what did I do? I looked for that sign, that initial sign. That's what I looked for. That is what you look for. And what Jesus is telling you in Luke is that what God got, for one, you give it to the other. You got to come to the end of yourself. You got to do it the way the Bible says. How do I know that I'm, how do I know that I'm saved? Because I like my life, my salvation experience mirrors what is taught in the scripture and especially seen in the book of Acts. That's how I know. I don't base my salvation on how I feel. I base it on what God did. It is on my faith is in him. When you are baptized in the water, he chooses. He's decided. He's the one that says. That because you do that, he'll forgive your sins. The circumcision of the heart, if you will. So I obey my part, which is repenting and getting in that water. 
in his name. And then my faith is in that he will do his part, that he will respond by circumcising my heart. And when he's done with it, I'm, I'm going to know why. Because he's given me a way to identify. They spoke in other tongues as the spirit of God gave utterance. That means they didn't just do their own thing. It was prompted by the Holy Ghost. I've never experienced that, Brother Walker, but you can't. God got it for you. What are you saying? I'm saying get it the way the Bible says. If you get it the way the Bible says, whenever you have those days where you're feeling low and you're feeling like, man, all abandoned, feeling like, man, I'm, I'm not doing so hot or whatever else it is, you know, I, I wonder if I'm saved because you're gonna, I'm telling you, you're gonna wonder that sometimes. You are gonna wonder. There's gonna be some days you're gonna wonder if you're saved. And I'm gonna tell you, you need something stronger than your feelings. You need your salvation got to be based and found it on the word of God. That's how I know that I'm saved because my salvation experience mirrors the word of God. It is founded on the word of God. In other words, I can read about what happened to me. Amen. 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 Verse number seven of Second Chronicles chapter 12. And we're wrapping this up. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shammai saying, they have humbled themselves. Therefore, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. And my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Very important. But notice again, the theme of accountability. Be careful of what you get yourself involved in. Because the key phrase in here, the Lord says, I will grant them some deliverance. Do you know what that means? It means that, yes, they humbled themselves. Yes, God forgave them. Yes, God did not wipe them out or destroy them. But just because God forgives you, for your sin, it does not mean that your, the sin that you engaged in prior to asking for forgiveness of it, it doesn't mean that there are no consequences. You go out and commit a crime and go and steal and, 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 and or murder or do whatever else it is, stuff. but then you come to yourself and you repent and you go to God, Lord, I'm sorry for all this other kind of stuff and all these different kinds of things. God says, you know what? And God searches you and you truly are God. God, God forgives you. You've been stealing, you've been doing or whatever. It doesn't matter. You, 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 you plug and play the sin. But certain sins have certain consequences. And just because God forgives you don't mean you're not going to have to deal with the consequences. This is why the best <laughs> defense is a good offense. Don't get in the situation in the first place. Stay in that word. Don't walk in these things that should not be named among us. Because some sins that you undertake when you backslide, God may grant you favor and, 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 and you allow and you are able to make your way back. But the sins that you committed in your backslidden state, the consequences still follow. 
accountability. You're not getting away with anything. So stay out of foolishness to begin with. Amen. He said, I'll grant them some deliverance. Some people are wondering, but you know what? I know I was living wrong, but I just can't understand why I'm still having some hard times. I mean, things are better. I've come to the Lord, but I still got these things because sin have consequences and they don't just go away. You're going to have, yes, God, forgive you, take me back, but you're going to have to walk through some things. The difference is, is this. Now, God is going to, although you got to walk through these things, you're not going to walk alone. And you will eventually get over and through that thing. But you still got to deal with it. You still got to walk the steps out. Still got to deal with the consequences. You're still accountable. Verse number eight brings it on home. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants. That they may know my service in the service of the kingdoms of the country. Notice what, notice that. They repented. They came back. They got it right. They humbled themselves. But he said, nevertheless, they shall be his servants. Family, you better be careful what you get into when you walk away from God. Even when you, when you walk away temporarily. Some people walk completely away. That's apostasy. They done. But some people start having a hard time and they get duped by the devil and they walk away temporarily and they come back. You better be careful. You stay in that word. Let God keep you. Operate in the heart of forgiveness and in the love of God. Don't let people and the things that people do run you out of the church and, 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 and convince you that it was somehow better living in the world. No, it wasn't. No, it is not. Because the things that you undertake when you backslide, yes, God will bring you back, but it don't mean. That there ain't some baggage coming along, some consequences coming along. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants. You're going to have problems, Rehoboam, Israel. You're going to have problems. You back, I, I forgive you. I'm not going to destroy you. But you are going to pay for the consequences. And the best thing for us to do, family, is to not even get on that radar to where we have to even deal with those consequences. Stay out of that. Stay with God. Stay with God. And why does God allow that? Why does God after you've come back, I still allow you and, and require you to deal with the consequences because of right here, that they may know my service and the service of the kingdom because you need to understand. You need to have it reinforced. I need to understand. I need to have it reinforced. that I can't do God's way and the world's way. They are different. 
And if I want the blessings of God, I've got to do the things of God. There is a difference between his service and the service of the kingdom. God says, I'm going to drive the point home of what it means to serve me, how wonderful it is to serve me. I'm going to drive the point home and help you see how much better my way is than the way of the world. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants that they may know my service and the service of the kingdoms of the country. God says, I'll take you back. But I'm going to make sure you understand. When you come back. Just who he is. And what you had and have in him. Why his way is better. Than what the world has. God bless you, family. Looks like we didn't get to the uh, to really getting into dealing specifically about uh, Satan, but we will deal with that in the next lesson. Got another exciting lesson for you, but we praise God. I pray that this blesses you and that you prayerfully go over this and that you've listened. I pray that this will go with you always and that it will inspire you to make some changes towards God and to really serve him and to love him with everything you got. Have a blessed day, week, and just evening. Whatever it is, whatever time it is, wherever you are, may God bless you richly. Bye-bye.